0: Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host, and today I'm recording again with Kim Molnar. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Kim is one of our team leads here at PDT, and she has done several podcasts with me, so I'm very excited to be spending this afternoon with you. And why don't you introduce yourself? And for those who haven't heard a podcast with you before, tell them what you do here and your thing. All
1: right. I'm Kim Molnar. As Hayden said, I'm a team lead for our Fayetteville offices, and prior. I guess what's pertinent about this podcast is I do have experience in the schools. I was a speech language pathologist in the schools for many years. Now I'm here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy.
0: And we're happy you are. Thank you. And yes, you do come with all kinds of experience. So we're going to be talking all about that today because I Mm -hmm. have worked in the schools in the course of my history with PDT, you know, but not like what you have. Mm -hmm. So my experience and yours are different. And for this Yeah, we need your expertise. And we are actually talking about maximizing the second half of the school year, Mm -hmm. which is really, Kim, your idea, this podcast anyway.
1: Well, this time of year, people need it. (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) They need somebody to know they're on the the ledge, so to speak. So I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good information.
0: Yes, it will be. And this time of year we're talking about is really the second half of the school year. After Mm -hmm. you come back from Christmas, Mm -hmm. let me just define the time frame. So it is after you kind of come back from Christmas and... Between now and the end of the school year, which for us here in North Carolina is June the tenth,
1: other right. places
0: it may be a little bit different, but general time frame ish. Right. So, tell me characteristics of each half of the school year and kind of how you sort of see the first half and the second half. Tell me what makes them different.
1: Well, first half of the school year, obviously, you're getting your caseloads, you're meeting your teachers for the first time, you're getting to know your children, you're looking at their IEPs, their goals and objectives. You're obviously establishing the plan for, I used to chunk my school year, so to speak. I used to say, okay, from August until December, because obviously they get, you know, here in North Carolina, we do get eight to 10 days, I think, close to two weeks off for Christmas break. And so, for lack of a better term, you do have to take it in first half and second half so that you can plan and survive, you know, because it's a lot. It's a lot to do. So, Obviously, you get going with your children. You're learning your schools. If it's a brand-new school, it takes time to navigate through those buildings. Mm-hmm. It takes time to get to know the teachers. It takes oh, time yeah. to get to know your children. So I used to almost put a, a little figure of speech on it. I'm planting the seed for my kids. We did lots of therapy. We hit the ground running from August until December. And then once we went on Christmas break, I would get very excited when we come back in January because I'm like, let me just see those little seeds that I've planted Starting to sprout. We've got any progress going on for all the therapy that we did the first half of the year. And And lo and behold, we do. You know, we really do. It's nice to see. Mm -hmm. And I think you're moving so fast and you're seeing so many children. The first half, you don't stop to take the progress in. So when you see them again after only being gone two weeks Mm -hmm. to start that second half of the school year, you're starting to see progress. So as you go into the second half in January, it's a busy time. Obviously, more referrals are coming in. You kind of mark your year knowing that April would head count. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But you just have so many things that have to be completed, you know, 90-day timelines and response to intervention children. And we can talk about that in more detail as well. But you just start in January, and you really don't come up for air until June 10th. So there's a lot to squeeze in in that second half of the school year. Yep. What I was writing
0: down when you were talking was the whole, like, the first half of the school year, yeah, it is sort of the starting up and getting ready. And, and then you, you don't have much time to do that starting up getting ready thing. It's not like mm-hmm. it lasts for months or weeks. It's just Mm-mm. like... A couple days. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then you're doing your thing. So then you leave for Christmas break and you're busy. And at PDT mm-hmm. this year, you know, we were closed for eight days for Christmas as well. And so for our people who are in the schools, they had pretty much the exact same break as right. the school personnel who actually work in the schools mm-hmm. versus us who are contracted with the schools. But anyway, so when, when you leave for Christmas, you kind of leave thinking, okay, well, yeah, I've got my feet underneath me good. I've got mm-hmm. my caseload fully mm-hmm. established. It's been fully established. I'm busy. I'm busy. And you, you're right. That's a good way to think when you come back. Okay. How? Because you do feel good about oh yeah look this stuck yeah all the things we worked on yeah yeah it's stuck where he he or she is getting it and they've got it and then the second half of the school year starts and it's kind of like you come back busy because you were busy before you left and Mm -hmm. you're busy but also then it's busy plus yes because then a whole lot more gets added and it's a lot
1: it is and not only are you dealing with All the stuff we talked about, just your children that you've had since August. But then you have new referrals. Mm -hmm. If you serve middle school and high school children, schedules change. Oh, yeah. So then you're reworking your schedule for the same children that you had the first half. So you're getting to know new teachers. You're working around different resource schedules. If you have high school children, some high school are four by four. So you're talking about a completely different schedule for them. So and not to mention, we've experienced this. We only experienced this a little (laughs) bit here in (laughs) North Carolina, but the weather, the weather is a big factor in the second half of the school year. So you get weather involved and schedules and there's a lot of navigation that takes place and a lot of communication and making up therapy sessions. And that's when also if
0: all the field trips are
1: starting to hit all is field after trips. the
0: second half of the school year. So then you got that you have to change
1: your schedule up in addition to that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yes. And as you go into the end of the school year, once you get into April, first of May, you have what we call end of grade testing. And of course, testing, we're dodging a lot of obstacles, so to speak. I guess the problem is the children still have to be seeing the frequency is in a A federal document. So children have to be seen and you've got to abide by it. So it gets a little tricky on how you're going to make all of it happen.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. And then I think that also that point that you mentioned about the whole new referrals and if you've got, you know, three-year re or all that mm-hmm. in addition. And it seems to me, I don't know if you agree with this, but it seems to me there's more meetings in the second half of the school year in terms of IEP meetings and stuff that you have responsible for than in the first half. Mm-hmm. But maybe that, you think that's true or is that just my imagination?
1: No, it is. And there's there's reasons for that. When you have all the referrals and you have, there's several reasons, actually. You have kindergartners that come in and mm. this happened you know, just our schools that we serve here the other day. You come back from Christmas break and the kindergartner's teachers, they've tried to, the exposure has happened. The intervention has happened. They had concerns in the beginning of the school year, but I like to hold off and see if the development comes on its own. Because some of these children, they've only been in school. Well, they really probably have never been in school. Right. So it's just best practice, in my opinion, if there's a little bit of developmental issues that are showing in that first half of the school year. A lot of times we recommend for those kindergarten teachers, you know, let's watch them, let's keep an eye on them, let's provide some type of home program or suggest to the teachers what they can do to get more language going or correct some developmental sounds that can be easily corrected in the classroom. Sometimes it doesn't always work. So after we get back from break, kindergarten teachers are knocking on the door. Like, we tried it, we did it. <laughs> it didn't self-correct.
0: <laughs> Referral, please. You told me this years ago, you probably don't remember it even, because Kim and I have known each other for a very, very long time, but recently she came to work at PDTs. But you told me this a long time ago, but probably you, you don't even remember, it, but I've actually thought about it. And through the years, when working with teachers in kindergartens and that kind of thing about, especially, and not to pick on boys versus girls or anything but mm-hmm. expect I remember specifically talking to me about the fact that hold up wait a minute I can't remember exactly the words you use but anyway I've changed them through the years but anyway mm-hmm. sort of just to get used to school and mm-hmm. get used to being in school and you said and I remember specifically you said and those little boys they really got to just to get calmed down and just be mm-hmm. in kindergarten you mm-hmm. used to being in kindergarten mm-hmm. and I don't really mind picking on the boys versus the girls because I use it with my own kids actually several different times like hold up just right. give him a minute or two he's busy little boys they just yeah. got to really get in the they used to be in school and, mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. get their feet underneath them. That's how I usually say it. But that just means, I guess, means really getting used to school. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. For, but then after Christmas, mm-hmm. then the ones who really yeah. need the help, then that's when you really got to start.
1: Yeah, that's when work. the referrals come. and you Girls know, or boys. Yeah, yeah, girls or boys. We have timelines. And so those timelines start as soon as the referral starts. So in addition to the mm-hmm. kindergarten referrals, you have... Here in North Carolina, we do practice response to intervention, and basically, those are children that have been to the student services team. It's called something different for every county, but yeah, you're going to need to explain this a little okay. bit to me. Yes, okay. so explain to me response.
0: <laughs> Should I already know the answer to this question? And I don't. Is no, that poor?
1: No, because I've just
0: admitted it here that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Does that bad?
1: No, it's okay. Good. <laughs> it's an educational.
0: Is it School ter- Yeah. All right. Well, then, yeah. then lay it on me because tell me what response because you do use it a lot and most of the time a conversation I'm just not like nodding along like yeah yeah uh-huh sure sure I know but now I'm just gonna come clean to explain to me what it is because <laughs> well, I usually nod in a very educated type of way like, of course yes all right all right, right tell goes. me the deal
1: okay so response to intervention the whole mindset behind I always like to say they're responding to a need so if you have a classroom teacher you know, little Johnny's there, language, not exactly where it needs to be, but the classroom teacher's not sure. Is it an underlying reading issue? Is it a language foundation issue? Is, is there something environmental going on that, you know, just is not allowing Johnny to reach his fullest potential? Right. There's something where he is not able to learn in her classroom. So that teacher has a need. So these schools set up, what we call student service teams. There usually is the a chair for the student service team. And that teacher can refer this child, little Johnny, to the student service team. That usually the people on the team could be the school psychologists, could be the guidance counselor, the assistant principal, the principal, a literacy specialist. If there are speech concerns, speech pathologist is invited hmm. to also come to these meetings. And they're not meeting to say This is a possible candidate for the Exceptional Children's Program. It's just really a meeting of the minds to say, what's the barrier here? Why isn't he learning to the best of his ability? Because we know it's there and what's stopping this from happening. So then as they meet, they respond and they create the intervention that they're going to put in place for Mm. a time period. So it could be four weeks. How many weeks do you think little Johnny needs to see if we can iron this wrinkle out? and get him on track. Could be four weeks, could be six weeks, could be nine weeks, whatever they feel. There's no right or wrong answer, but you do meet each particular child. They do have meetings in increments. So if they decided that in four weeks, they're going to check back in and see if if little Johnny's progressing or does little Johnny need more intervention? Does he need possibly a referral to the Exceptional Children's Program? So then they might Meet the second time and say, nope, things are going well. Let's take some more data. I think I know the problem. Again, no referral to the Exceptional Children's Program. They're just responding to the need of extra attention.
0: So they may do, when they first meet, the first time they may say, he needs just a little extra help in... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Math or. Yeah,
1: a little whatever. extra help in math. Now, in since we're talking about speech pathologists' role in this process, is that if they're called to the meeting because there's a language issue or because there's an RTIC issue, a speech pathologist can get involved and do what we call response intervention groups. Hmm. So they actually, with parent permission, they haven't been labeled exceptional children, they can pull them into what we call RTI groups. Hmm. And those groups, can meet with a speech path. They can do five minute artic bursts. They can go into the classroom and just give suggestions to the teacher. Then they report back in four to six weeks. These interventions are working. I think I can have the sounds fixed in two weeks. Give me two more weeks. And intervention worked. And then they don't really need an IEP. They, they don't have to need that whole IEP. process. Yeah. But there again, <laughs> you've gone through this process the whole first half of the school year.
0: Right. And
1: if there's still a need, they want to really make sure that there's definitely a, Exceptional children Evaluation is warranted So if you get to the point Where an EC evaluation Is warranted Then these referrals Come to you The second half
0: You know what this is I mean you and I Are both fans of Disney This is a fast pass What this is (laughs) (laughs) But it totally makes sense Because there's a bunch of kids That sometimes we see And you're thinking Why are we seeing this child Yeah,
1: I love it I could talk about it All day long I'm very passionate About RTI I love it Because it does work For a lot of kids It's a fast pass Yeah It is (laughs) It is it's a fast pass <laughs> and it gets everybody involved. You know, a lot of people are involved and in make sure the goals that you've verbalized that you'd like what milestone you want to hit while you're recommending mm-hmm. the home program or the classroom interventions that, you know, everybody's involved. And then the parents know about it. Parents know about it. They're at the meeting. They're at the student services team meeting. They're part of the team. That, you like yeah. that, don't you?
0: I do like it because mm-hmm. I like that collaboration part.
1: Mm-hmm. I like yeah. the whole
0: means of the mind.
1: Mm-hmm. And not every county implements it to its fullest potential, but it's a pretty cool concept. You know, in addition to the kindergarten referrals and the response intervention, probably another big chunk of our time are transition meetings. And transition meetings, they have to take place that second half of the school year. And that's a big deal, too, because you're... you're Anytime a child is transitioning from preschool to kindergarten or from fifth grade to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to post secondary programs, all of these years are crucial and it always falls at the end of the second half of the school year, really. I can see how the whole middle school
0: to high school or the elementary school to middle school or any of those transition meetings, but do they hold the preschool meetings after the second half of the school year too, or they just more of them happen?
1: No, you transition from preschool to...
0: So you're talking about all of like the the three to...
1: From age four into elementary elementary school. school. Yeah, pre-K to kindergarten. Gotcha, gotcha. So they transition, yeah. And then you also have children that are transitioning from different continuums. So if you have them in a regular continuum and they transition to separate Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: vice versa, separate into regular continuum, you've had a year to monitor progress and decide what's the best placement. All of this takes place in the second half. That's a lot that happens in A lot. Half.
0: I think every school needs another SLP at the second half of the school year. <laughs> I mean, that's just like starting February 1, here's your second half of the school year SLP. Like just label it. Here she is. Yeah. Of course, I don't know what you
1: do with them for the first half, but still, second half, there's, here you go. That's why you have to chunk it. You have to chunk it because it's a lot and you have to take it. If you yeah. can get it through the first and then.
0: You thought you were good at Christmas. hmm Yeah. Go, wham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're Welcome back.
1: Yeah.
0: It's busy. It's a yeah. busy time. You have a week of where you're like, oh, this is, yeah, I got this. And then, <laughs> bam, baby. Okay. And then April 1 headcount, which, yeah. again, having worked in the schools, but not year in, year out, continual worked in the mm-hmm. schools. My, mm-hmm. my time in the schools has been six months chunked. And so maybe I was the second half. Maybe I was the February 1st backup team. I'm not really sure. I've done lots of different scenarios. I don't know. But anyway, so the headcount thing, because I always forget the dates of the Mm headcount. I know that there's April 1 headcount, but there's also one in December. Yeah. But the December doesn't seem nearly as stressful as the April 1.
1: Right. Yeah. December probably isn't as stressful because you just don't have all the extra things going on that you do in the second half. But April 1, anything that you've started, and again, the obstacles you face with the weather... If the field trips, the work days, you already have a built-in schedule. But, you know, I remember one year we missed four to five days of school due to weather. Well, four to five days doesn't sound like a whole lot. But when you're trying to see 60 kids and add on just their regular therapy plus the meetings that takes place for the children that you have to meet on and all their IEP meetings prior to April 1, it's a busy time. I think so.
0: So I guess for everybody who's listening who isn't sure what headcount is, why mm-hmm. don't you tell everybody what April 1 headcount is?
1: From a speech and language perspective, I'm not a compliance person. So right. if a compliance person is listening to this, they're probably like, mm, no, that's not right. But from what I know about April 1 headcount, December 1 headcount, that is when a county or an LEA local education agency, they have to account for all their children that they see in their exceptional children's program. Mm-hmm. Because attached to those children are dollars, and their allotments that are given from the federal government and the state government that are compliance monitors and our EC directors. They have to report these numbers so that dollars are distributed appropriately because we do get federal and state dollars to help us serve these children. Mm -hmm. So every, I guess you would say twice a year, this is how they account for them. Yes. It's a very layman's term description, but...
0: I think it's good even if for compliance officer or not.
1: It makes sense in my mind.
0: That's what I understand the headcount to be as well. And and I feel like in terms of the three disciplines, speech, OT, and PT, I think it affects speech more than OT and PT. Mm -hmm. If an occupational physical therapist is listening, they may disagree with me, but I think because there's more kids that are speech only, so Mm -hmm. the speech therapist is responsible for the paperwork and the case manager and all Mm -hmm. that. Whereas OT and PT, occupational physical therapy are related services Mm -hmm. always. So I don't think it hits them quite as hard. Now, of course, we also in the OT and PT side of life, I feel like their life is complicated, may not be by the April 1 headcount thing, but they tend to have significantly more schools and more mm-hmm. travel time, and their caseloads are spread from here to yonder, which is a southern way of saying a lot of places. Yeah. And so they have to deal with all the meetings and all that mm-hmm. stuff at like a quadruple number of times the schools and the SLPs dealing with, even more than that, even. Yeah. I mean, they have yeah. them all over the place. They're
1: in a lot of different schools, and it's hard to get to all those meetings, and mm-hmm. they are the related service, but still just as busy for them because yeah. even though they're not physically at the meeting, they still have to submit their paperwork and they have to make sure everything's in compliance for those meetings.
0: Sometimes I wonder if it's even harder not being at the meetings because then they'll have to almost, you know, do more follow-up emails, more follow-up phone calls, sometimes more mm-hmm. in some way. Sometimes it's Even though the time of the meeting can take a while sometimes when you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, I've got 45 things to do. Not that you're not present at that meeting and you want to be there, but, you know, they can be long. But sometimes I wonder, the people who aren't here, they got like five people they got to follow up with after this thing. Mm -hmm. Or I sometimes think it's even harder not to be there. But anyway, so that was good for everyone headcount. I got it. Good. I'm down with that. Okay. After the second half of the school year, one head count, we got that coming on, and then, I guess now we can sort of look at survival skills. Now mm-hmm. we've just told everybody how busy they are, and they're exhausted and tired from listening to us telling them well, you all are busy. Now we have to talk about how do you deal with it? You certainly mm-hmm.
1: can't be a non-social individual or someone that doesn't like to talk to all different people. types of people <laughs> and deal with different types of personality, because. As we mentioned, you're in various schools. I mean, some therapists can go to four to five schools in a week. And with those schools, you have case teachers or compliance monitors. I don't know, however your district wants to label them. And then every child you see has a teacher. Uh So if you have 60 children on caseload, you're dealing with 60 teachers throughout the week. So you've got to be able to communicate and collaborate with all of these people Mm -hmm. Um, because you have to plan them, schedule the meetings, you know, schedule it around the teacher's resource time. Resource time might change because they had a field trip or a field trip, or they had a snow day and they had to make up the day, or you have a two hour delay. I mean, all these things you can tell I've been dealing with this for the past two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In North Carolina we don't deal well with snow.
1: No, it hit a nerve Mm-mm, just a little bit. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you've got to schedule with various people, not to mention you have to get on what works for a parent.
0: Oh yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Parents seriously. are kinda of important for the <laughs> yeah. meeting. Yeah.
1: So you take one child times five different people you've got to talk to just to schedule one meeting. Communication and collaboration pretty much have to be intact. Yeah. And you know, survival's good if you have these things, but, you know, attitude matters as well because it can get slightly frustrating as long as a positive attitude is there. And you know that it's all for a good purpose mm-hmm. and it's something you can check off and close out and be done and move on. It'll work itself out. But yeah. communication, collaboration. You also, I didn't want to leave They're very important people, too. But administration, it's just as much their responsibility on site in their building. They have to watch over deadlines and monitor compliance issues. principal's not necessarily, you know, standing over the case teacher. But if there's a school where compliance or a case that they're working on is not in compliant, the principal is the one that's going to get the email. Because Mm -hmm. that person, case teacher, speech pathologist, OTPT They are the ones that are in the principal's building during that time. So administration gets involved, too. So lots and lots of different personalities to make sure that we're all staying on track.
0: Well, and you don't want to be the problem child. You know, you don't want to be the one that's causing the problem for the principal or whoever Mm -hmm. else. And even from our perspective, when we are contracted with the school system, when we go in, when we're in that school, we're part of the team. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want. One of our therapists being the problem person for that teacher or principal or whoever it is. And so that's what you deal with all day, but not problem right. people because we don't have them. But, you know, just helping people problem solve through mm-hmm. all this stuff because mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. I think the people on the team, the speech therapist, the occupational, the physical therapist, the teacher, the all the people involved with that whole meeting process do need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, you want to make it work for lots of reasons. It's important for the child and their progress and mm-hmm. it's also compliance and that whole thing. But you also don't want to constantly be the problem person for that principal or whoever's mm-hmm. in charge because right you can't make any friends that way. Or I sometimes get invited back.
1: Right. It's true. And the way to work through all this, and there's so many modes of communication now. People email. And yeah. I particularly would prefer face to face, but that's not always possible when you're across county. Right. keeping those lines of communication open are key. Mm -hmm. And from an administrative perspective, because I've done both, I've done speech therapy in the schools and then I've led speech pathologists in a school system. And it's the hardest thing about my job at that particular time was just keeping their spirits up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're leading a team of speech therapists or a team of EC personnel and they're trying to get through this very busy time. When somebody said something to me at a meeting, they said, busy equals mentally healthy. And boy, I just took it and ran with it. And I don't know who said it, but I don't claim it, but I use it often. I loved it. It stuck with me. And it's so true. I use that all the time. They probably got sick of it. And I use it now leading the team here at PDT. And they all just look at me like I'm nuts but they'll understand one day they'll look back and know that busy is good
0: it is good and I do think the point you're making is vital at this point because you know you can get so much coming in on your plate and as you're talking about all this stuff, therapy still happening well you said it you you still got these IEPs you have to do and and all these little kiddos which is why you really went to school Of course, I have to do IEPs and stuff like that, but I like kids, and I like helping kids and families, and that's really why I went to school to be a speech therapist, and the paperwork is part of it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the gig you signed up for, Mm -hmm. but it's sometimes when you get all of this coming in, you can feel like speech therapy is not like really what I do all day long. So I think you have to keep reminding people of, yes, you're busy and kind of say, right. yeah, you know, validate it, but also help them remember, yeah, we're here because of these kids and that's really what we love and do anyway. Right. But you're right. Keeping everybody.
1: Right. Up. And the speech path, because we're all over the place and because we have, you know, in my opinion, we're, it is a great job to be able to talk to so many different people all day long and meet different families and serve different children. But you're a huge educator. You know, Mm -hmm. so instead of thinking of it as I got another IEP meeting, you know, what am I going to do? It's going to last three hours long. You've been doing this long enough. You could be very key to educating a lot of different people that are sitting at that table. So that was one of the things I always just, I guess we're on tips now, not that it was Mm -hmm. an agenda. But one of the things that used to get me through, if I had another IEP meeting, I sort of just took it in stride. Like, this is a Mm -hmm. great time to have the parent, the teacher. Mm -hmm. The case teacher kind of let everybody know you know this is what he or she is capable of, and where things are so busy, and we rarely get a chance to sit around and talk about exactly what the progress is. So, if you look at it as part of the therapy process, it just takes on a whole new meaning.
0: It does, and I think it's also an opportunity. You're in the schools and you're having your regular annual IEP meeting at the end of the school year or the last half of the school year, it should be an opportunity to be like, hey, look, look how far we've come. Mm-hmm. This is where we started off this time last year, and now we're here. Yes. Uh, we might be discharging, or, but look where your child is. I agree with you 100%. It, every annual IEP meeting should be that. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this should be sort of a cheer rah ra mm-hmm. We're moving forward and graduating because that's the name of the game. We're supposed to be graduating eventually. Right. Oh, so, not
1: being forever.
0: Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's key, Kim. That's Mm -hmm. really important because I think that's really easy to forget. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm going to write that one down. (laughs) Hold up. (laughs) We're going to need to do something a little bit more with that because that's what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think also another point I was going to make, you know, I guess if we are on tips or just talking about the last half of the school year, you know, if you started in a new school at the beginning of the year or if you're a brand new speech therapist or OT or PT at the beginning of the school year, it is also a time towards the end of the school year to be like, yeah, to... Sort of pat yourself on the back and like, look, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. I can handle this caseload. I can handle this paper. Look at all that I've learned. A minute to sort of do a little cheer section for yourself kind of because yeah. it's a big accomplishment to get through a school year. Yeah. Huge. It is. Whether this is your 20th one or your first one, it's still a big accomplishment.
1: Right. Summer so. is well-deserved. It is well-deserved. It is well-deserved. And that's the only thing I can say about that. Yeah. Well-deserved when you get there. It is. You know, I
0: say this a lot of times when I'm doing interviews with people and I say, okay, you know, the therapist you are day one when you start with us is a very different therapist than you are day 365, Mm -hmm. if it's your first year. And I think it's important to pause as you get closer to that 365 or the end of that, I'm saying the whole year, but you know, the end, even just the end of the school year and be like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Look all that I've learned. Look what I've accomplished. Yep. It's huge. It's huge. Feels good. It does feel good. Also, a part of the whole end of the school year, in addition to all of the stuff that we've talked about and the fact that you've made progress with your kids and they're moving forward and, Mm -hmm. yay, it's looking good, you've also got to start thinking about next year.
1: Yes. And you wouldn't think you would. No, you You, wouldn't. (laughs) You wouldn't. You wouldn't think that February you're looking into next year. And from a leadership perspective, I didn't really realize it until they started asking for, okay, we need your numbers. You know, we need all your speech therapists who their numbers they have. And this would probably start in January, maybe even December. So Hmm. the therapists, in addition to their second half of their year, they're gathering stuff for their EC director, they're gathering numbers, they're gathering frequencies, they're gathering how many schools they go to, what their workload versus caseload looks like. So they're giving all this information, and then your leaders and your admin staff, they have to take all these numbers, and then they determine allotments for the school year, for the upcoming school year. So allotments and assignments are already taken place, so you have therapists now and classroom teachers, EC teachers, regular ed teachers, they already know what their assignments are for next year. So Mm -hmm. you're not only trying to wrap up this school year, but you're trying to figure out, okay, they gave me that school, never had that school before. That school, I think, has five, you know, separate classes. They may have three resource classrooms, four pre-K classrooms. So You're already trying to take in what you're going to be faced with in the upcoming school year. So that's an addition. That's one of the things you're looking ahead to your assignments and allotments and preparing where you're going to be and what your schedule will look like. And once you do that, you can't help to just not want to know, you know, what's that school like? Mm -hmm. How many children am I going to have on caseload? So you're dealing with that too in the second half.
0: Mm hmm
1: It's just one extra thing that kind of gets put on your plate. That you don't
0: really think about. Nobody really talks about it, though.
1: Nobody really talks about it. And to be honest, nobody really knows the work that goes behind it until after you've done it. And I did it, and I never knew when the assignment came in the mail that summer, you know, to tell me, don't forget, you're going to be at such-and-such and -and -and such-and-such in this school. Even though I knew that back in February and March, I didn't know that that was all planned in January. Right. Because they have to have allotments because they have to know how many positions that they have. And Mm. it's just this whole big process. But the therapists, they get it earlier and earlier every year. They know where they're going to be for the Mm. upcoming year. Mm. So it's just one extra thing.
0: For us on our end, we try to keep our therapists at the same spot every year. However... As we get closer to the end of the school year for us, we have to start to reflect and look back and think, okay, what worked at this school? What didn't work at this school? You know, even though we try to keep the same therapists at the same schools, caseloads change. Caseloads change. The school system mm-hmm. moves uh, classrooms around. So, and so that changes things. And mm-hmm. then, uh, so lots of stuff happens. We may pick up some schools. We may pick up some schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Things change. Mm-hmm. And then our personnel, sometimes people have to move. You know, we live in a, a town with a military base. And so a lot of our therapists are married to. People, fellas who are in the military, and unfortunately they like to move with their husbands, which is completely ridiculous and overrated <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, really? Because you know, he still cleaves dirty socks out when you move to uh, Ohio. But anyway, so they want to move with their husbands, but whatever. I've been trying to talk about out of it, but they do. So sometimes we have some new staff, and then sometimes try to put new staff with the seasoned staff member. But you know, that also can be a stressor on a seasoned staff member. But you know, mm-hmm. anyways, we have little shifts and stuff that we do here. But I think no matter where you are in any caseload, And no matter who you work for, it's always at the end of the year, there's also a reflection time and think, okay, really, what worked good? What didn't work good? How can I pace myself differently next year? Boy, you know, I've never set the groups up like that again. Or I've I've said that a bazillion times. Next year, I'm doing this. I mean, you know, or whatever, you know, kind of thing. And so I think that's part of the end of the school year is sort of thinking, okay, how can I change it up? Or what should Mm -hmm. I keep the same? Yes. Yeah. Yep.
1: You're already planning. Mm -hmm.
0: And that happens even in our developmental day sites where we contract. Mm -hmm. with which we haven't talked about those in this podcast and really that's not as much the topic here but that happens in our developmental day centers even with our little birth to five people and so you know what really worked what didn't work we're always analyzing and Mm -hmm. assessing what Mm -hmm. worked and getting the feedback of our team members too so we don't make the decisions based on oh we think it needs to happen like this you know Mm -hmm. which I think maybe this is important to say that here you know sometimes from an administrative level and then a staff level you know, what may make sense at administrative level doesn't make any sense at a staff level. And so I think sort of speaking up, if you're the individual contributor, speech therapist there at that school, and I know with our people, we make decisions on administrative level, but I always like to have the input of people who are doing it on a day-to-day basis at that right. school. And so, you know, I would like to know kind of, because what makes sense up here at this level might make zero sense down there, or uh, not like up yeah. and down, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's important to hear from people what really works and what doesn't work, because, you know, you can have numbers on a sheet of paper, but that doesn't sometimes mean... A lot. So your caseload numbers could be really high, but it still might be an easier caseload to manage than another school where the numbers are lower, but just the severity of the kids is greater. So, Mm -hmm. And that means more frequency and you Mm -hmm. know what I mean. You don't need me to go there. But anyway, I think that's important to say that too. And to sort of speak up and say, hey, I might only have 50 kids. However, they're all speech only and they're all twice a week and they're Mm -hmm. all, or I don't know, you know what I mean.
1: Right. All that is very important. And when I was doing assignments and allotments, I would ask them, because like you said, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, you know, you just have schools that, you know, a lot of people think that if you have a lot of parent involvement, you you have a great school. Well, I used to call those schools that keep you hopping. (laughs) And they are great schools. Parent involvement is always great. But these are just little things that you do. When March and April start rolling around, you do start looking ahead and going, you know, what type of workload am I going to have based on these factors that I know are attached to this school? So the only way that happens, back to my old good old C word, is Mm -hmm. communication. So you're looking ahead and you're handling all these things, but it all goes back to communication for whatever scenario you're dealing with.
0: So as we kind of wrap this podcast up, and there's a few things we should point out. In general, number one, yeah, we know you're busy. If you're not busy, you're probably missing something. (laughs) You need to to go talk to your neighbor because you may be the problem person we were talking about earlier. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that.
1: I can't agree more. If busy is not how you describe your day, then there's a problem.
0: Yeah, there is a problem, yes. I think everybody is busy. And I hear the word overwhelmed a lot. Yes, you're overwhelmed.
1: And you're literally, I explained this one time to a coworker of mine, when I switched positions from a school speech therapist to an admin position, Mm -hmm. I kept getting up. Like every 15, 20 minutes, I kept getting up out of my desk and going somewhere. Like if it was to the... (laughs) Workroom, or I had to go collaborate with somebody, or I had to go here, or go there. And she was like, What is wrong with you? Like, is <laughs> so you got the jit? I'm like, Every 30 minutes, <laughs> speech pathologists are up out of their seat. Yeah. They're pulling groups. They're sitting down. They're doing therapy. They're taking that group back. They're getting another group. They're pulling groups. Every 30 minutes, they're up and gone. Mm-hmm. And that's really wherever we're working. They're really, It's not just specific to schools, but mm-hmm. it's just our field and what we do. Mm-hmm. But if we're not doing that, then yeah, there probably is also something wrong. Some wrong.
0: Cause, uh, yeah, because I don't know. It's doing. It's definitely a doing job.
1: Yeah, you're, you're doing, doing. You're going. You're moving those feet. You're definitely not sitting. So busy is good, but job security, That's right. it's a blessing. I always say this, hey, you know that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a blessing to be able to work. But the point, in the schools, when you're wrapping up the second half of the school year, you know, the end of the day, in this case, June 10th, the therapists they'll finish out their school year and they'll be able to reflect back and look at all the great things that they've done for the children, for the staff, for the families, for the parents, for their community, you know, you're serving all these children and their families that live in this community and you're just making it better. So,
0: And you're really doing what you've been called to do or what Mm -hmm. your passion is and what your heart Mm -hmm. is. So yes, you're busy. Yes, you may be overwhelmed. But if you put it into perspective, you're really doing what you've been called to and blessed with the ability to do and what you're passionate about. Like you said, that's in and of itself is a blessing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're busy. But you know what? So is the case teacher they're all busy so you're not any different than anybody else and so it's just what it is so yeah everybody's in the same boat everybody's in the same boat Mm -hmm. it is what it is the more you do it then you start to recognize the waves of busy and know when it kind of gets over and when it starts back up again and how Mm -hmm. it sort of flows and Mm -hmm. you start to learn how to roll with it even better yes and then sometimes if you've been doing it for 20 some years you get a big old wave and you're like whoa what Mm -hmm. is that and then you've realize you still move on you're good anyway so this was great information i think this was a good podcast it's a good one to do so i appreciate you helping me out with it thank you
1: you're welcome yeah it's It's
0: good so if you're a busy speech therapist out there we feel for you we know we've been there done that got the t-shirt we're still doing it Mm. wearing the t-shirts actually as we speak (laughs) I don't know. So we got it. But anyway, thanks, everybody. I hope some of this information was very helpful. I'm sure it is. And again, thank you, Kim, because Kim has walked the walk, talks the talk, knows the deal. She's got the background and the experience to back up all of this plus some. So I really, really appreciate it. I know I said thank you, but thank you again. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I enjoyed our time together. If you like this podcast, you can catch lots of others. If you subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Check them out. There's a bunch of therapy-related topics, business topics, lots of stuff on there. So check it out. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.